Hey everyone, Sloan here with a heaping helping of free money to help you start your September off right. In this episode, we're talking about how the funding environment for companies building climate solutions is changing with Dimitri Gershenson and Aaron Davis, the co-founders of Enduring Planet. They'll take us through how much money is needed to keep climate change under 1.5 degrees Celsius, how much is currently available, and how that's changed after the new Inflation Reduction Act. In the process, we'll also touch on how open source tools and automations are changing the process of loan underwriting, why people mistakenly think revenue-based financing is innovative when it's actually an ancient, ancient technology, and the way that Dimitri and Aaron view the moral implications of funding these projects. That conversation starts about 18 minutes into the podcast, but don't skip ahead. In our pre-guest banter, Ashley and I took a close look at the conservative case against ESG. And as always, we took questions from our listeners at the end of each episode and shared our signature gardening tips. If you'd like to ask a question in an episode, upcoming episode, please write to us. The email is freemoneypod at gmail.com. I also have a special request on the occasion of this, our 50th episode. <sighs> Could you leave us a nice review on your favorite podcast platform? It helps other people find the show and is a nice way to manifest some positive vibes. And before I kick things over to everyone's favorite disclosure pirate, this episode of the Free Money Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Cordetius, who are experienced doulas to investment offices navigating digital transformations. Cordetius focuses on your alpha, or sorry, they focus on your data, so you can focus on your alpha. For more info, visit cordetiusllc.com. Your turn, Sharkbait. Take it away. Ahoy, Free Money Podcast listeners. I'm Sharkbait Buckley. The Disclosure Pirate, and I'm here to set ye straight about what's going on with this here show. Sloan Ortel works for Invest Vegan LLC, a New York registered investment advisor. Ashby Monk works for Stanford University, Adapar, Future Proof, Long Game, and various startups. All opinions expressed by either Sloan or Ashby are entirely their own, and do nay reflect the opinions of their crew or any company. Clients who invest vegan may maintain positions in securities and strategies discussed in this podcast. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where invest vegan and its representatives are properly licensed or exempted, and a client agreement has been executed. Arr. Here comes the money. Here we go. Here comes the money. <laughs> Welcome to the Free Money Podcast, where we bring you the Brooklyn Bay Area consensus about institutional investing. Or bad. I couldn't even hear that. <laughs> oh, really? I was trying to so go for like quiet. the ASMR, you know, ASMR podcasting. I got my like mic stand here so I can I can be at a... Oh, I, thought, I thought you were just trying to get everybody excited about our failing technical equipment right off the top, you know? <laughs> Like right in the we haven't had a podcast in two and a half or three months and kablamo you don't no i mean you don't make it to almost episode 50 which i think this is episode 50 uh um, holy cow without fucking up your tech a couple times i'll tell you that much and if we include all the episodes that we threw away because the tech was even worse mm. than it is now, it's probably exactly exactly a hundred. We're probably yeah. at episode hundred. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, I think that, that that's a pretty you know scientific estimation. How have you been? You know, I have been good. I have been working my little tuchus off. Um, 
which has been cute, but like I, I'm, somebody is coming up on her one year anniversary of being an asset manager. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're, we're taping this at the end of August. The, as of September, I have a, a one year track record, which is like something I've it's always probably wanted. been a pretty, a pretty easy time to uh, be an investment manager. You know, I, okay. So it's funny. I feel like if I was not into this job, I would have like done anything else after this year. <laughs> Uh, you know, because like, it's not like, you know, I mean, bear markets are, are a really, really fun way to get through life. Um, yeah. You know, but yeah, it's really, it's crazy. Like, you know, I think for a lot of the discussion around sustainable investing, I'm always feeling like, you know, I can't prove it in theory, but I can do it in practice. Um, and like when you get into the actual like doing of that, um, you know, it's fun to like try and put your money where your mouth is. You know, it's fun. I, I've been thinking about you and your project. Um, Me? Yeah, because I I have noted a distinct vibe around sustainable investing emerging out of certain states uh, in the union, um, and that that vibe is is now referred to as woke capitalism, mm -hmm. um, which is which was what I was actually going to talk about off the top because. I just wanted to say that we beat woke capitalism um, to to say we were talking about the ESG industrial complex over a year or maybe two. Yeah, we knew ESG was bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Like we, yeah, we were roasting it here. You heard it here from yeah. you know from none other than the founder of Sasby herself was the person who, exactly. who dropped ESG industrial complex. Uh, you know, on, on our thing. I mean, we even talked about a T-shirt that had that on I, it. You know, I, I don't actually, think we did it. I I went in and I found earlier today, uh, you know, never quite perfected drafts of the ESG industrial complex T-shirt. Yeah, I I'm toying with getting. Well, now I feel like if you would just start selling it um, on Infowars, yeah. Except Infowars is out of business. Yeah. But that that's like where you would sell the ESG industrial complex. It's, yeah, you got to get into a marketplace, right? The businesses these days are all marketplaces. You got. <laughs> that's the way you got to get this to get stuff done. <laughs> Speaking of which, my son found the uh, container of portable alpha beverage <laughs> and was like. What is this? What are you, are you trying to feed me this? And I was like, no, no, we no, no, that out. No, that's not, for human, that's not for human consumption. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but on the woke capitalism, it's been wild to see this backlash. And I have a couple news items when we get to that. But uh, it, you know, it it's very frustrating that like we got the ESG industry so wrong by relying on these ratings yeah. and building this $90 trillion sustainable investment ecosystem while not really building a sustainable world. I think that's the, like on the left, if we kind of take like the left's frustration, we're like, yeah, we have so much capital that's sitting there claiming to be sustainable. Where's all the sustainability? And on the right, they're like, you know, these lefties are changing capitalism. And, and, you know, we're sitting here being like, we wish. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> like seriously, like, I, I'm just trying to, like, you know, get, you know, really, really small things taken seriously, you know, like, um, and, yeah, I, I feel like it's, um, if I, if the left wing of the investing movement was anywhere near as powerful as the right wing makes it seem, 
you know, I don't know, or, or even like, I you know. know, oh, wait, another way to think about it is like the trans movement, right? Like, you know, I'm the most politicized person, no matter what I do, uh, you know, and in lots of places, people just like whip up a frenzy about like, where, where are these trans people going to go to the bathroom? Are they going to ruin sports or whatever? Um, yeah. You know, and it's, it's a business decision to do that. Um, mm. You know, because, you know, especially within ESG, like there are tons of punching bags that are like, that will just say stuff that's not very well researched or that are just like held out as experts in the field, but are, you know, fundamentally not investors. Um, yep. You know, and like the, the whole field just got tainted by that. Well, it did. And so on the, and, and the bad news is you'll see in my news stories, we're, we're going to see certain aspects of ESG that gets banned. Yep. Uh, the good news is that that ESG probably wasn't doing much anyways, which has been our big complaint for the last three years, that there's a lot of products out there that are claiming to be ESG and sustainable. The impacts have been negligible. You know, and, and, and there's one finding that I want to that I like I came across yeah. and I can't do it. I can't do it justice as an observation because I don't have access to a data set that isn't like riven with survivorship bias. Um, you know, but when I went into what's available to me, which is like the U.S. mutual funds database, and I separated out, you know, kind of the, the whole U.S. equity universe, right, of active funds, mm -hmm. and then active sustainable funds, and then act and then sustainable index funds, right? So both active and passive sustainable funds. Uh, a lot of like hay is made over the fact that like a lot of managers underperform their benchmark. But it's also important to look at the way in which they underperform their benchmark, right? Mm -hmm. With sustainable managers, it is true that most people would have been better off financially just being in an, an index fund. But the returns cluster much more closely towards the index fund portion of the distribution than the active fund universe, uh, which is like... Sounds like they're less volatile. It's almost like there's Sounds something like to this risk mitigation thing. Yeah, you know, or or maybe they just all have the same three hundred companies underlying them, and they just remix them in lame ways. No, <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, I know you. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for building that straw man. You just crush. <laughs> um, I think, I think you're onto something. I think you're taking a look at this in a very sophisticated way, and unfortunately, there isn't this level of nuance. Uh, I think you'll find it's pronounced uh, in this discussion. <laughs> nuance. <laughs> uh, and we need more nuance in the world of, of ESG. And we need a new name. We need to call it something else. New brand. Uh, which is why the book that Dane Rook and I are doing, we, we spent a lot of time talking about resilience mm -hmm. and trying to create portfolios that, as you just described, maybe have lower risk, lower exposure to like the the tail risk in particular, which these ESG signals often allow you to spot what we call detect um, uh, coming problems. So anyway, I wanted to raise that off the top. Th this whole issue seems like it's kind of, um, yeah, followed us into this, into this like land of how do we fix ESG? And now we're allies with some people that I never thought we would be allies with. So now we got to like rethink how we talk about stuff. I mean, the, the, the uh, thing, the good news is though, like this is a fight I can have all day long, right? Like I, 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 would, I would love to be like in the little octobox with whatever lunkhead they've got promoting the like drill ETF or whatever, or arguing that like- Oh my you, God, absolutely. Yeah, like I, I you know, yeah. I mean like that's not, it's, it's like not, you know, the only reason that they, you know, are able to, you know, get airtime is because nobody is like, you know, 
really engaging seriously with them. It's like the old Trump thing, right? It's like true. People take him, you know, literally, but not seriously, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway. But what, so it's so funny. I was at a meeting yesterday, which is why I chose this. We're like, do you know what the best performing managers were in the last 12 months? <laughs> Oil. Yeah. And I was like, okay, fine. But like, th that doesn't mean they're good at managing. That means that they had a tailwind related to, you know, fossil fuels, which is, by the way, what drove inflation with, you know, anyway. Yeah. It, oh, and, and by the way, like take your index, whatever yeah. index you want, break it down by sector. Look at what the lowest uh, average annual returns are and the highest an average annual volatility is. I guarantee you it's the energy sector. Um, yeah. You know, like, so the it's really like this incredibly like juvenile like, you know, it's almost akin to like, oh, it's hot outside. So climate change must be fake, huh? Like, how about that global warming, huh? Uh, I know. It's like, I, I love, those are my favorite arguments <laughs> to explode. Um, okay. So I've got oh, yeah, news. news is, yeah. I've been teasing news, yeah. but I haven't delivered news. So that was just me ranting off the top. First news is related to cyber, mm. which is my favorite word. It reminds me of the 1990s. Yeah, it's like cyber as an issue. Um, that's like 1990s called. They want their like technology term back. <laughs> but uh, the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund says the single biggest threat to them right now is the cyber. Hmm. And they are getting three seriously good attacks a day. They're probably getting three billion attacks a day, but three seriously good attacks. Wow. And it's interesting because in the last little while, I have heard quite a few examples of money being rerouted and things like that related to cyber attacks. And I think this is a byproduct of the crypto world yep. where like a bunch of people got really rich using cyber attacks. And it's almost like that was funding for cyber attack businesses. Mm -hmm. And now we've got like well-funded cyber attack businesses out there going after the big boys. That makes total the Norwegian sense. Sovereign Fund. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. If you're a great. If you're a web grifter now, you're not out playing like three card Monty on the street. You're like sitting here, no. you know, finding a way to interject yourself into these massive exchanges of funds. Um, yeah, that's, you got contact lenses with computer screens in Vegas. Three uh, attacks a day. That is terrifying. <laughs> I know. Three good ones. Okay, so that's my first bit of news. So, hey, if you see a note from the Free Money Podcast, just check the check the URL, yeah. check the address. Yeah, 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 because we definitely you know, did that right. Just, uh, you know, our any email from us will be, like, you know, fortress-level security. Uh, uh, we're... I think we've just invented three-factor authentication. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's something we're been, we've been talking about for a long time. <laughs> uh, Why only okay. two? Next... <laughs> Next in the news, I'm afraid we we have a guest who's waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can wait. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's got to wait because this is part of why we want him on. <laughs> um, so the text, so the woke capitalism uh, fight back is out there now. The Texas controller yesterday announced that, and he whose name I forget, but it is a he. He is responsible with implementing the 2021 law that says the pension fund can't invest in anything that is um, about divestment from fossil fuels. And so he's created a list of woke asset managers that the pension plan can no longer invest with. And those of you out there, when you hear these woke names I'm about to say, we'll just 
you know, it's just so obvious that Credit Suisse is woke <laughs> and UBS, which is also on the I, list. You know, I, I, a like lot of people hilarious. I know from the DSA actually work at work at UBS. You know, it's uh, there's a lot of crossover <laughs> yeah. there. And, and this is this is where Finanon. What did we Finan? call it? Fanon, Fanon, oh, sorry, Fanon, and then the last one, which I think is hilarious, is BlackRock. BlackRock is is one of the woke asset managers that can't be invested. I and I'll quickly move from that to say, Florida has actually redefined fiduciary duty in such a way to prevent um, the retirement board there, the Florida Retirement Board, from using ESG in any decision making, and so. If you think we were being inflammatory off the top, this is real now. Yeah. Like these these right wing governments are really going after pretty mainstream concepts um, in the name of woke ESG. I mean, imagine if they if they had learned that ESG is just alt data and they wound up like you know Tell me like self owning themselves and being like, oh yeah, you thou shalt not use alt data here, you know. And they're <laughs> I, I'm sure they're the, the the investment staff at the pension is just like, oh geez, now great another restriction for heaven's sake. I wish, Sloan, part of me wishes that the pension funds had integrated ESG properly and used the data okay. as a risk management tool. But I think we both know that most of the time the ESG teams are sitting in another zip code. Mm -hmm. So that's the tragedy. But um, what what this tells me is a lot of the pension funds in the world, they're going to be forced to rethink how they engage in sustainable movements. And at the same time, we have the Inflation Reduction Act that just got passed, which is an interesting tailwind in the other direction. Free money, baby. And so I, I have a prediction that instead of having these passive ESG portfolios doing ESG quite poorly, we might see a lot of pension funds investing directly in climate solutions. And I think that's partly what's so exciting about our guest. That's a... A magnificent segue. They call him the wasn't it? They good? call him the king of the segue. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, hello, 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 Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hi. Dimitri emailed to say to say he's running a little bit uh, behind. Uh, okay. That's crazy. I know. Doesn't he know we record these things live? I... <laughs> he's not going to get the questions now, Sloan. It's all for Aaron. Well, you're you're flying so yeah. Well. I mean, well, when when he joins, Aaron, you can join us in questioning him. Um, yes, where he's been, where, how dare he? Yeah, I'm often questioning where he is. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, we were just um, we were just jumping in to the topic of climate finance, in part because we see this weird woke movement um, happening at the level of the state pension funds, which is going to constrain the ability of pension funds, which we really spend our time focused on, the big asset owners. But at the same time, the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, creating like a, a, a tailwind in the other direction, which leaves us thinking that we're going to end up with um, a lot of investments in solutions to climate change, even if we don't see as much investment um, in the kind of traditional ESG type stuff. So anyway, that was the lead in to this conversation with you. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about you and what you're working on. Sure. Um, I can't get my video to work. I don't know if that's a problem. Um, 
No worries. We'll just, we'll just, we're not going to put, we don't, we don't post the videos anyway. We'll think of you and... as a very chill letter E hovering in the middle of a black <laughs> void. My son would love that because for some reason, the letter E for young people is like a hilarious letter. I don't understand it. Oh no. <laughs> it is. There's some like weird thing where it's like E. Anyways. Oh man. Looks like a butt. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> Let's talk about your yeah. real thing that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I guess just background on me. I started my career um in impact investing about ten years ago. Um, got my MBA and a master's in international development. It was focused on um microfinance as just kind of a pragmatic solution for poverty. Um, and then launched um, SEMA, Social Investment Managers and Advisors, um, which was an impact or is an impact fund manager um, for emerging markets. Hey, Dimitri. Well, look who it is. <laughs> I know. Finally had the gall to show up. No, Dimitri, feel free to come and go as you please. Uh, you know, this this is the kind of podcast you can just come and come and go and pop in whatever you I like i love that i love that maybe i'll go get a bagel or something come back in half an hour aaron's got it anyway. <laughs> she, she, she was the place. yeah right she basically runs this business i just show up to look pretty so uh, you know everything is as it should be uh so, so like what are you guys doing these days like uh, the you know like you're doing something with the climate we hear <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're uh, we're we're trying to put money to work to help small businesses and startups grow faster and deliver climate solutions pretty much in every aspect of the economy. Um, we give them lots of different non-dilutive capital options quickly, easily, simply without a lot of the restrictions that often block access to capital for all sorts of different kinds of companies. Non-dilutive, which means you are not affecting the capitalization table of these companies. They're not selling you equity, but you're still finding a way to give them money. Are you just giving them money? Free money, baby. Like it's a, because this is the free money podcast. So I just want to make sure I understand what we're offering. It's like Biden. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. Aaron, you want to talk a little bit about how we, how we actually deploy capital today? Yeah. So currently, um, we deploy capital through um, our primary um, instrument, which is revenue-based financing. Um, so we essentially take a percent of a company's top-line revenue on a monthly basis. Um, so we charge a slightly, you know, higher premium because we're not secured. There's no collateral, no personal guarantees. They're not giving us any equity into their company. Um, but typically it's, you know, um, levels of finance that they can't get from a bank or, you know, like grant funding can be harder to more time consuming to get. So when Dimitri says more simple, we're trying to you know, really um, find companies that are revenue generating at this point in time that are growing quickly, have healthy margins to support um, support us taking a top line percent monthly. 
And and the idea across all of our products, so we're launching another product next month, which we can, I guess, maybe tease here a little bit, but the idea is to keep sort of the application process to call it 10 minutes, the term sheet to under a week, the entire sort of application to close in under a month and over time to keep compressing that, that eventually we can be deploying funding as quickly as 48 hours. And so to do that, we leverage a bunch of technology, right? We connect to people's bank accounts, their uh, accounting, their payment processing platforms through an API. We have a bunch of, call it secret sauce. So like recognize revenue, build forward looking projections, leveraging an automated model. And, and that enables us to move pretty fast where I think traditional lenders really struggle. Um, and over time, the idea is to sort of in, increase the number of instruments so that we can serve really all climate entrepreneurs from inception to IPO. So that's the like the long-term vision. Yeah, that's amazing. Not, not a big deal. Yeah, I had a quick flash. Yeah. Sorry, slow. Just before you ask your question, flash. I had a quick flash. You, you, yeah. Do you know the oldest form of loan going back 4,000 years? Now I'm doing my academic thing. Um, in Mesopotamia, they were payday loans, which is, which is kind of like a, a way of revenue-based financing, right? But for human beings, it's like, oh, or factoring, you know? It's like, oh, you're going to get paid this in the future. You know, we'll give you a loan so, so you can like accelerate that future payment and, and invest in more stuff. And so you're literally, when you talk about simple, you're talking about a product that's been around for 4,000 years. So you feel free to use that on your way. You know, <laughs> I, this is, this is one of the things that I really, I find really entertaining is people will talk to us and they'll be like, oh, it's so innovative. It's so new. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I'm like, look, I, I know that like Pipe and ClearBank sold you on the idea that this was something like that had never been done right. before. But, but this kind of financing is literally. The yeah. Idea. It's like I, from I, the beginning, this is how we like. There yeah. was like interest rates and payday loans were the two inventions in the Mesopotamian era. Yeah, we, we, we just let the Puritans hang out too long in our financial system. And they like, you know, like chipped everything up for a little while. You know, I, I before we kind of move on, I, I want to kind of like spend some time talking about the notion that this activity that you're engaged in here, the lending of money for climate has moral undertones inherently, right? Like, you know, I, I think that people, you know, who are listening to this might be like, you know, oh, okay, wow, that is a good, you know, capital G, as in get you past St. Peter into the good place or whatever, um, you know, kind of situation. How do you think about that in your personal moral calculus? Whoa, I love that. Only question. the chill ones here. No, we start yeah, with the easy one, like, are you acting ethically? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I sure hope so. We're we're like a public benefit corporation and everything. I, I think, you know, maybe we both, Aaron and I approach this from our own kind of ethical point of view. So maybe I, I, I could start and Aaron can give her flavor on it. Uh, I think the universe of, if, if you look at the total amount of money that's meant to be deployed in climate to get us to two degrees C's, by most estimates around 5 trillion a year. Okay. Of that 650 billion a year was like the last number that people were citing. So we're quite a bit off from the total amount we need to actually keep us all from burning. Right. So that's like the, that's like the baseline understanding of that. There's lots of different flavors of capital. There's philanthropic money for things that are not commercial. There's um, venture, there's project finance, et cetera. Debt is like a 
uh, actually a pretty big sliver, like corporate debt is a pretty big sliver. By our estimates, it's, it's about 700 billion a year, right? And so there's lots of folks who need to provide philanthropic concessionary capital in this market. And like we take in concessionary capital because we think there's a rationale for leveraging sort of catalytic finance to unlock broader bases of commercial money. But there's also a need for debt. And that debt needs to be priced appropriately. And so we think that we price our debt very appropriately given the risk that we're taking with the various different instruments. Uh, and we are constantly looking to take in capital that is better priced so that we can then offer better prices to, to founders. Yeah. Right? So I think that's, that's kind of my take on it. Aaron, what do you think? I, do you have like, feel like there's a lot we can say. About yeah. This. I mean, one other way I like to think about it is like, even if you don't care about climate, like these businesses are doing things like more efficiently, mm -hmm. like they're like thinking like a step ahead. So if you are more just coming at it from that perspective, I think like who doesn't like to save money or do something more efficiently? Everybody. We like it. And and I think we did a paper at Stanford probably like in 2018 where we showed that carbon could almost be thought of as a factor in investments where it's like whether or not it, it it's a, a dirty company in quotes the way they use carbon or try to manage the sustainability of that production function with respect to carbon intensity is strongly correlated with long-term, maybe not quarter to quarter, but multi-year performance. So I think there is like a very clear argument around value creation um, that we can all make. Um, just moving on to the debt again, as an instrument, um, we, we're, we're joking that it is a 4,000 year old asset class, but I, I'm quite certain you've had to innovate. Um, you, you mentioned Dimitri a little bit, oh, we've got all this technology sitting there. Um, you know, just to give the listeners a sense for like, what, what is it to be a partner to climate startup companies? Like what are the, what's the tech stack you need? What are the innovations you need in terms of your lending process? And, and how do you actually get the capital to work? So it might be good to think about traditional lending versus our model of lending as a point of comparison. So when you go to take out a bank loan for a business, the process takes, I don't know, anywhere from three to six months if you're, if you're lucky. This is for like larger sums. This isn't credit cards, right? We're talking about sort of proper business loans. And there's this really intense documentation process. You send a bunch of PDFs, you send physical things, people call you, you have tons of conversations, you provide a model, they provide a model, and you spend this, like, you do this whole dance, right? And then they get to the end and they're like, hey, we'll lend you money. It's going to be okay, maybe kind of expensive, but also we're going to take all this collateral and we want you to provide a personal guarantee because in the end, our model might be wrong. And if we're wrong, it's not on us. It's on you. And so you should lose your house wow. because your business didn't perform. Like that's what a lot of lending looks like. And, and I know this because my last company, we borrowed a bunch of money uh, for growth and expansion. It's a very large loan and it's profitable business, tons of assets. Guess what they still ask for at the end? Personal guarantee. Mm. Big fat personal guarantee. <laughs> yeah, right. And so uh, what that means is that pretty much any executive team or founder 
who doesn't have a ton of personal wealth is like not able to access any of that debt. And with startups, which are often pre-profitability for a long time, banks aren't even talking right. about it, right? And so there's, there's, there's this big, big gap. And then, you know, there's venture debt. It's available to like 1% of venture-backed startups. There's, there's starting to be more like creative alternative credit looking at e-commerce or SaaS. But this market is deeply underserved. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, debt can easily play a role in pre-profitability companies because we're starting to understand how to better align spend with capital. So like, hey, you're going to buy inventory? You shouldn't do that with equity. Hey, you're going to spend money on marketing? Probably shouldn't do that with equity. Hey, you're going to, you can like, you've got big POs coming that you need to spend against. Like, why don't you borrow that money instead of raising equity, which is, you know, 50 to 100% target IRR. Yeah. You, you can get that. And so in our case, what we do is we, we do a few things on the, t on the tech side to sort of actually answer the question that you asked instead of No, I like, I, I like what you're describing before um, we leave that is this, this like the cost of acquiring a customer and the long-term value of a customer. Yeah. And that there is a, a play here where if the LTV is much bigger than the CAC, let's just finance. You guys in Silicon <laughs> Valley are all about the CAC. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, don't go there, Dimitri. Don't go to entertain those. <laughs> Stay focused. <laughs> anyway, tell us about your tech stack. <laughs> Oh my God, it's taking every ounce of control. I, you're, I right mean, I, it's really like, uh, you know, I'm here as the devil on everyone's shoulder. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is what makes this, this podcast so awesome. Oh. Is that it's not just like, hey, let's ask you the question. That's, <laughs> yeah. anyway. We are trying to <laughs> ask you the questions, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're trying <laughs> to ask questions. <laughs> I'm ready to ask you the so, third one that we told you, but I'm waiting for you to answer the I, second I, one. I, I, so I, I think, right, we, our process today is a mix of tech and, and manual, but manual with a twist, right? And so Aaron leads our underwriting team. So we do do manual underwriting still today because you can't, I would say we're not ready yet to automate the full process, but we're, we're starting to. And so we have a few key elements. One is that we do not depend on self-reported financials or self-reported information ever to make a loan decision. Um, that is where there's a lot of opportunity for sort of diligence risk. And so instead what we do is we require all companies to connect their bank through an API. We use, we have like an intermediate layer between us and Plaid, but it's sort of plaid, right? And then we connect to their accounting system. So we connect to QuickBooks, Zero, Zoho, you name it. Uh, and then for companies that use platforms like Stripe, we also connect to commerce platforms. And so we pull in all of this data and we build a really comprehensive historical picture of revenue and spend. And it allows us to really quickly understand whether or not the company is able to clear our basic hurdles. So we have like a minimum revenue hurdle, we have a revenue growth hurdle, we have a gross margin hurdle, we have a runway hurdle. And within minutes, we know whether they cleared it. And, Amazing. and then we have a, a product, it's actually an open, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Library uh, called Profit, which uh, from what I know, other large 
automated lenders use this. I won't name them because I, I don't think it's public information, but a bunch of folks use this library. Nobody listens to this tweet. podcast. You can say whatever you want. Every, everybody <laughs> listens to this podcast. We constantly breach NDAs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Wow. So, uh, so there's, there, you know, some, some big lenders use this. And uh, what it does is it takes historical performance and it can actually fairly accurately with some modifications predict future revenue if you have at least three years of data. If you don't have three years of data, it starts to look a little less precise, but it still gives you a, a range that's like pretty damn good. It's pretty amazing. It's, it's, a, it's yeah. It allows you to focus and really so, quickly on the high priority. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And so you can take all of the stuff that usually takes, I don't know, three, four days of analyst time, full time. It's done in like five minutes. And then the people can spend time answering the questions that can't be automated. Yeah. And so over time, our goal is to basically get through automation. So I think by the end of the year, we'll be automated through term sheet, which means like somebody will submit and then, you know, half an hour, 24 hours, like we'll probably do a manual check. But the term sheet will just get that's it. nuts. That's I mean, this is this got me thinking. Like prepping for this interview got me thinking about other really innovative, you know, kind of lending companies and how they've fared over the last, you know, ten or fifteen years. Ashby and I actually the first time we ever met, we were talking about Lending <laughs> Club, um, and uh, you know, as of this morning, Lending Club, you know, is sitting there, you know, with a one point four billion call it in market cap and a billion dollars in cash in the balance sheet. So the company is you know, maybe worth $300 million. Um, with that in mind, has it occurred to you that this might be a bad idea? Tough. Uh, if I, <laughs> oh man, are our iPhones? They are, yeah. Fuck, man. You're just like, it's flown. I know. Like, oh, Don't worry, my so, next question so, is very positive. Ashby so. me on at the beginning of this. Look, <laughs> no, 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 look. He's got a point. Sloan's got a point, right? So, so the 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 thing is, I would argue that in our case, we have an advantage that almost nobody has, which is that we're pursuing a market that can only go in one direction. Which leads me to my next world, question. If you want to hear it, wait, 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 wait. The world, the world is on fire. It is literally on fire. Everyone around is starting to finally wake up. You know, it maybe took them an extra 40 years to wake up to the fact that the world is going to be in rough shape. And from the, the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act to all the movement all over the world, China, Europe, like it's happening. It's only going to keep going in one direction. This train has left the station. It will not stop. And lending to this market, like, uh, and, and this is one of the things that's really exciting to me is that we... The, the hole, this $700 billion a year hole is so big that 20 other people, 20 other companies like us could show up tomorrow and I wouldn't even worry about it. Like I wouldn't worry about competing at all. Um, so it's, it's, it's a pretty crazy time to be alive. It is. And, and to get your backs, I would say, you know, the ability to get loans off the internet, I don't think is as transformative as inventing ways of accelerating the flow of capital into solutions to climate change. The internet may have been like a way of aggregating a lot of people, behind, but like we weren't having trouble giving loans. We were having trouble about tailoring them. Anywho, I'm excited. I see the inflation 
what is it? Retirement Act? What are yeah. we talking about? Reduction. The Inflation Murder Act. Yeah, the No More Inflation Act. <laughs> um, I see that as the ultimate tailwind for business like this. And so the the kind of next question is around how much capital do we need? And I admit, I've had a few people ask me, how does the act change how much capital we need out of each segment? Because um, nobody really knows everything that's in there. And so I don't know if you've had a chance to look at it and think like, all right, here's how much capital this little industry that you're focused on building um, needs to deliver, how much other industries need to deliver to avoid burning alive. In short, the IRA is a good start and it's a cute policy, but in the grand scheme of things, it's still like a very small amount of money, right? It's 37 billion a year in incentives, uh, 370 billion over 10 years. It sounds like a lot of money. Again, 5 trillion a year is what we actually need. Not here on this podcast. Uh, yeah. That sounds like half a big yeah. pension fund. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not a lot of money, right? Now, having said that, the, the way that those incentives are structured will bring other capital to bear. And that's what I think is, is, is what we are not talking about enough. And it's, it gets really hard, right? Like, how do you translate, you know, EV tax credits for consumers into the investment that will likely go into the EV industry now that you have 10 years of seven grand per car, blah, 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 right? Um, in our case, what's really exciting is that one of the changes that they made is that instead of having to do complicated, like tax equity, Know, crazy stuff that even I don't understand to be able to like apply credits to where people actually need tax, blah, 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 blah. Now you can like take it as a check if you're the entity doing the work. And what's really cool about that is if you can take it as a check, people can lend you money in advance. So you can get that money sooner and do more work sooner. Intent. And so like, you take this 37 billion, you add it to the 50 billion a year in state and federal grants that are already being deployed in climate. State federal like spending, it's like grants and incentives. Yep. Okay. So now we're at 87 billion a year. That's just in the US. It, it's better. Yeah, maybe you got a studio on that point. Yeah. It's it's again, it's not the like probably I don't know. We're one of the largest economies, one of the largest emitters. So it's like we should definitely be spending a lot more than that. But it, it's it's starting. There was a point maybe five years ago when I was like, man, we're going to like really, it's going to really suck. And now I'm like, it's going to suck, but it might not suck as bad. Mm. Suck less. Yeah. yeah. Suck Make less. America yeah. suck less again. Another, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, I, you know, I guess before we let you go, I, I you know, I want to like make you tell us about a couple of the checks you've actually written and like what happened with them. Um, you know, and like to the extent that there's anything that folks can like take away from the deal flow that you've accessed already, you know, and how it characterizes this broad broad opportunity. Yeah, I can take that one. Um, so we've made about four loans today in our in our fund portfolio. Um, so one of the companies is New Sun Road. It's a micro rig controlled company. 
Um, and I think with that, that was our first loan. Um, a pilot, you know, we made it back in December. It's performing great. Um, and I think, you know, the example there is that it kind of widens the application of RBF funding. So that particular company is a hardware, software, and contracted services company. Um, so we're not just looking at companies that have a classic, like, MRR components. Um, we've made a few other loans. Um, there's another loan, Aqua Oso, in our portfolio. That's an annual contracted services company for banks looking at water and climate risk. Um, we've made a loan into a services company, so like monthly composting services in, in Denver, Colorado, Compost, Colorado. We stand um, compost here. So That's great. We, yeah. Um, so really kind of a wide range of companies. All of the, um, we have case studies on our website. And is the energy one up yet? We just made a, a loan to um, a hardware solar generator company um, that's direct to consumer e-commerce. So like, you know, I'm not hearing business model. I'm not hearing any podcast companies. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I think we're... We would love that. You know what I mean? I'm worried. The part that I'm worried about is when you connect to our bank accounts through all that technology. Yeah, I, the, I, I literally I literally have an email from our, like, uh, the accountant that's like paying the free money podcast taxes in my inbox right now uh, in re my failure to open a freaking bank account. If you commit to climate on this podcast... Yeah. All, all, Both of us have taken personal net zero uh, commitments. Twenty fifty. I'm a, I'm a, net, I'm a but, net zero shiro, uh, actually. Um, <laughs> and I'm on a low carb diet, so there you go. I I think I think that qualifies. I think you cleared you know, all alternative of alternative lenders are so nice. So actually, can, I love it. I love it. I know. Yeah, I know. they're using facial recognition software to see if we're actually low carbon. <laughs> If you're just full of it or not. So I think two other two other deals we've cool. done, which were which are pilots, which are in it in advance of this public launch of our next instrument. We are gonna start offering companies in the space advances against state or federal grant funds in sort of two circumstances. One is the public notice has gone out, you haven't signed a contract yet, but you're on track to, and you know. Some of these things take six, nine, 12 months to pay out. And so we can bridge that time for companies. And then in other cases, the reimbursement timelines are really long. And so we can bridge the reimbursement timelines for companies as well. So uh, that's a, we're really excited cool. to put that out there. Well, I bet there's a lot of federal money coming companies yeah. oh, that my you can get out ahead of oh, and God. help people go faster. It's And it's, this is, what's wild is it's not just the federal government. It's like, the, the thing is public money is always going to be slow. Like the bureaucracy is there for a reason. It creates checks and balances because taxpayer funds and there's a lot of accountability. There's almost like no way to make it more. Right. Right. By design. And it's fine. I think it should be slow. But the thing is companies often need that money sooner. And so this is where there's an opportunity for folks to come in and say, hey, I can offer you capital that allows you to like get way ahead of this. And instead of it taking six to nine months for you to launch this project, you do it tomorrow. 
So last question, really excited about. which could be illegal, uh, but let's ask it. And then if it is illegal, Whatever. we're recording this you in international don't waters. Answer. We're, we're all, we're all <laughs> on our yacht. Oh, no, yeah, we are. We do everything 12 miles offshore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. we have people who listen to this podcast who have a lot of money. I just realized yeah, yeah, yeah. there's pension funds and sovereign funds and in, in other funds, family office funds. What? Like, what would you be able to give them in addition to, like, the feeling good moral superiority that we talked about? Um, are you allowed to talk to us now about the scale of capital you expect to deploy in the next year? Or this is the part that I think might be illegal. I don't know. The interest rates that they could earn in, in partnering with you. Like, what are you allowed to say right now? I mean, we're not marketing securities. Okay, sweet. So just so tell us everything. We don't sell. Yeah, we don't sell securities in our funds. Yeah, uh, we may. But you have funds you raise. Okay. Of course. Yeah. Otherwise, no. I, you know, I'm. I just. I. I like. I go sell some carbon credits, and then I. I lend that money out. You know, that's what we do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we have trees. And, I'm. I got my own carbon. It's plan. called a Ponzi scheme. You should check it. It's really disruptive. <laughs> So we 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 raise two types of capital. We're a venture back company ourselves. We're actually embarking on our seat yeah. round now. Uh, I I don't think I'm allowed to solicit that, but we are doing one, so people can make their own decisions there. And then we are we we raise sort of these sidecar vehicles and debt so that we can then fund transactions. And we are currently closing our first one, which is a pilot. On the smaller side, it's only five million. The next one's going to be fifty million. We're going to raise that one early next year. That's a real number. And then, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna get more real. So our 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 goal, if we are uh, effective and successful, is to do a little over two billion dollars worth of lending in five. Years. Okay, and that's going to take quite a bit of capital. And so, if folks are interested, yeah. In, about well, no, no, because we recycle money. Uh, so yeah. actually, we can. Sorry. There's a really efficient kind of structure to this where we can raise quite a bit less than two. A, a mere few hundred million, million dollars. Uh, yeah, I wish I had your confidence yeah, yeah. Uh, with like regard to like access to capital here. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, we're gonna do five and then fifty. You know, I'm a privileged white guy. I'm a privileged oh. white guy. I like, I'm like steeped in confidence. That's my job. Yeah. You're applying to jobs for which you only have one of the credentials out of 10. That's the classic white dude move. Yep. Yep. Other people are like, I don't have all 10 credentials. So. Hey, Anywho. Use your privilege and fun climate stuff with it. I mean, that's a uh, you know, pretty solid. Such as the free money pretty podcast. Solid yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Funding climate projects may not absolve you of moral debt. <laughs> yes. Uh, Aaron and Dimitri, thank you for coming on and explaining to us revenue finance and what you're working it, it, on. What is the website? Yeah, tell us the website.com we internet. If it is .com. Enduring. It is .com. Oh. It's EnduringPlanet.com. You went big on the website. Because to me, Enduring Planet, that's, that's, that's a where you need it. Yeah, EnduringPlanet.com. Yeah. See some case studies. All right. Uh, apply for some revenue finance for your carbon credit card. Thanks, you guys. Bye. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Thank you. Good luck with everything. Oh, yeah. Amazing. <laughs>
You can hang out, Dimitri, or you can I just did, hang out. I, 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 I do. I more muted, fun I muted stuff. him. Uh, I, 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 sorry, I. We booked a bunch of. I mean, we have like five. <laughs> I don't know. I, do you guys do like a post? Do you do like a deep? Well, we, we actually like, generally just, just keep. I don't know. We just uh, filming the episode. We just no, keep, no. Yeah, we literally just we don't take breaks. We don't do good editing. No, no one's no one's so ever we, been like. We'll just do I don't want to leave the rest of the day. Yeah, but this is this is the first time that people are like, I'm having fun. I want to stick around. I have more time. People are usually like, I mean, I'm not even that Can we do a recurring series? Yeah, we can come back to you guys. We run this. Yeah, podcast. yeah, yeah. We say that like we. This <laughs> yeah, is our no podcast, board. so we can do. <laughs> yeah, no, we're the boss. Ashby. You you mean so I mean, that's it's, podcast, you know, yeah. it's the it's my yeah. cats that run these this podcast, honestly. If it once the technology is awesome, I'll give her all the credit. And but while the technology still has snafus, I like to share I like to share the pain with her so that she doesn't have to own the full responsibility of podcasts being published with one person talking. Well, you know, uh, like the, I, I think the traditional the traditional rug uh, weavers would always like, you know, kind of create one flaw in the rug, right? You know, just to kind of make sure that, yeah, you have to do it. Bespoke. So <laughs> Ashby is that flaw. I am. Yeah. No, I make this, I make this tailored and unique by delivering less problems. And I think I got you to break the law there by soliciting. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> just we, I mean, shark, shark bait, I mean, whatever. Uh, you know, no, uh, yeah, no, we'll have shark know. bait um, cancel yeah, that out. You know, be like, everything on here is, yeah, is a joke. And then, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like you can say that we're raising a seed round as long as you don't tell you know, people to invest. Yeah, player, right? I, I think that's right. People say they, In, you know, after consulting know. with my compliance officer, I suggest never doing anything. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Definitely don't do a podcast with people who are just goofing around. Um, if you're running a serious, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you have to cut it out. I don't know. I don't really know. I don't. Aaron, what do you think? I you get back to us, back you know. Cool. I mean, we might, we might actually put all of this in. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Our podcast, yeah. but we, we opted. Oh, I'm not shy. <laughs> I'm not shy. We often have segments where people are like, "Hey, how was that?" At the end, and we're like, "Good." Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's yeah, still yeah, happening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Aren't all your listeners high net worth and credited investors? They are. That's part. That's should, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sharp Everybody listening. You are only yeah. allowed to Th- that's listen. That's true. I mean, like the you know, high net worth accredited investors are people who pass the vibes test. Um, yeah, better finance by accreditation. Yeah, so I mean, like I think that, you know, what you're wasting your time with lending the climate. Uh, you know, if 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 you find a way to credit an investor based on vibes, uh, you know, that's that'll, you know, that'll that'll fix this whole problem right there. I think we should just get all our that dot org. Check it yeah. out, everyone. <laughs> I have given money to Sloan. I haven't checked my performance lately, but I you've given money to other related parties. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yes, I was a very early investor. <laughs> Maybe, perhaps, your first outside investor. Even I don't remember. You were you were our first. You and you and Elliot were our first outside right. check. Yeah, and you are also. Um, you guys are, I don't know if you're the only, you might be the only investors in the world that have two Gershonsons. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have your brother. For now. 
Supply Shift, another he's fantastic okay. company yeah. that we should just plug right now. Yeah, he's okay. Because Supply Shift is helping to unravel supply chain. That, that sounds like something that should be done. I mean, like, uh, they, are, they've been raveled recently. For sure. No consequence. And he, he does the supply chains and he, I mean, it's a big company now, but um, they also do ESG data too now. And so check it out, supplyshift.com. That's the, the Gershenson. Matt. Dot net, sorry. Dot net. net. The fabulous Gershenson brothers. Not like enduring Sorry, this is how we roll. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, uh, I think, I think, think you gotta, you know, that's it for you now. <laughs> nice to meet you, Aaron. Uh, thanks for having me after work. Thanks for visiting thank our so much. We love you guys. Thank you. And thank you for solving such an important problem Bravely. on this earth. Bravely. Because it needs to get Bye. solved. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. Bye. <laughs> so good to chat. Bye. All right, all right, all right. Hard, hard. <laughs> all hard right. things hard things yeah, no it's a Kicking hard thing like, you know, it's like sometimes like just, I, when you go in you, you record it you like, think it's gonna be perfectly nice the one thing you don't do you don't have like you know the guy coming over with the cane to like yoink people off the podcast you know yeah yeah not that yeah, i yeah, wanted yeah. to no, they I were mean, so and, fun. and this is like uh, you know we're, we're here chilling this afternoon you know we get to talk about climate risk this is a party for us you know um it is. Yeah, it but is. like, yeah, what's fantastic. been hard for you lately? I mean, too much, too much, too much beach time this summer. You know, you're looking a little tan. <laughs> Not enough. Not enough. I did only one week mm. of vacation. It didn't feel that's a worst like practice. anywhere near that's enough. Official work. And uh, yeah, that's a worst practice. We've got best practices and worst practices. And worst mm -hmm. practices is not taking enough vacay. Um, but here's what I have been doing, Sloan, which is not like it's a hard thing, but it's a strategy for dealing with the hard things I have to do. I have been doing the cold plunge <laughs> at the gym. Are, are we like fucking... You didn't like, expect that, you know, did you? Is there something going on? I've been taking cold showers for the last little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what... Is no way. We don't rehearse this. <laughs> so I don't know. I went swimming for for my um. Well, first of all, the gym that I'm a member of just got a sauna and a cold plunge. Yeah, yeah. It's like like, a, I guess I should bucket get of ice water. But Count me in. I had been up in in. <laughs> Count me in. That looks great. And uh, and I had been up in British Columbia on Cortez Island. That was where we had our vacation. It it was like a glorified campsite. The water is cold. It's like 54 degrees, right? And But it was so invigorating once you could get used to it, which was hard to do. Um, and so when I came back, I was like doing this reading and it was like, oh, that's because it feels so good because it drives all these endorphins and all this like yep. actual change to your brain. Um, there's like a lot of data. And so I started doing the cold plunge and I have, it's like, I feel like Joe Rogan over here. I got to tell you, I, you, know, you got to go really, I mean, when I plunge. am actually like with it to just turn on the shower cold in the morning, it is, I have, I have the most productive day. I swear to God, I get three days of work done in, in one. I mean, it's like, it, it, it's, it's true. Yeah. It's like a drug. It is a freaking drug. Does, and yes, it hurts a lot. Yeah. But I think actually that's part of it. The yeah. It's like, a, I mean, if you're, if you're awesome. like me, you kind of like, you know, the screech up like when you when you get into cold water and like, um, yeah, it's oh, that yeah. that involuntary thing is what makes it so powerful. I think <laughs> the shape of my body on the way into the cold plunge 
is identical to the shape I, of my body throughout the cold plunge. Because once I go in, it's as if my body has it's stuck. You it's really, but move. you know, it, I, <laughs> like I, I do think that like this is you know at some point we're gonna find ourselves actually becoming parodies of ourselves, being like, yeah. So I've been like slamming my head into a cinder block recently, and like <laughs> I find like it really like simplifies all this complexity in my head, you know? Yeah. The double vision yeah, reminds yeah, me everything. Life everything is, is shades complex. of gray and haze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> Stay tuned. We're going to be selling cinder blocks on the front of me. Oh my god! Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, uh, yeah. Let's put moving. What yeah, yeah, yeah. for you? The uh, we got some meetings after this. Um, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I honestly, I think, like, okay, yeah. What's been hard for me recently has mostly Basically. been like not living in my spreadsheet. Um, because like I, the, it's just so I freaking oh. love it in there um you know like i just took a trial it's called well it's like mm. the you know it's come at a certain point it like builds on itself right um and you find yourself learning based on observations that you made in the past right and like you know i guess you know my big uh yeah. you know hard thing right now is not geeking out about process for like 97 minutes straight and like bending people's ears about the weird macros i wrote in excel that like log my values so that i can go in and look at yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I figure, like, you know, it, it's right. funny. I thought huh. that there would be people who had been like, okay, so if you're a portfolio manager, here are here's the tooling that you might want to set up, you know, around your decision making, so that you can like go back and look with some granularity later on, um, you know. But like, it's just it doesn't really seem like that's a thing. Yeah. Um, you know. So, um, anyway, I, I'd say like, you know, the constant battle of like not zooming into macro land and being like, oh yeah. Maybe I'll answer that client email. Uh, you know, for those of us ADHD queens over here, uh, you know, famous for yep. our executive functioning, it's uh, it's a lot sometimes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. all worth it. And well, you know, we're, hang in we're there. speaking of it's all worth it. I mean, you know, <laughs> the diehard motherfuckers. Oh my god, Ashby's like he's got his eyes closed. He's like, oh. You know, it felt. I have to say, the, I have I, to. Might change I, yeah, my heart. It's really. It, I've missed this podcast, and it's been hard not doing it. And <laughs> hearing that little horn tune, Jimmy Jammy, uh, it went to a place that was just like. I think because what we do these podcasts, yeah, we block time, and there's no like none of the other stress can creep yeah. in. It's almost like yep, meditation, yep. where it's like you have to be present, otherwise you sound like an idiot. I have to, I have to be listening to you. I can't be doing Slack or something. And so it is de-stressing to do this. Yeah. Stuff. So when I hear yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, so you, we got the uh, you know first question. Re, speaking of a very relaxing one. Uh, here we go. Do you believe that liquidity my stress, premium my stress is back real? up now? And, you know, okay, sorry. For those of us following along at home who may or may not know what a liquidity liquidity premium is, mm. it is the idea that um, a less liquid asset will pay you more to hold it than an asset that has a ready market for itself. Right. So you know, you you get compensated for being unable to sell it. Correct. And this reminds me of another one of our guests <laughs> who used to ask people, "Do you believe in crystals?" And it was her joke was like, you know, those crystals that you see in the hippie shops. And then like when they would say no, she's like, I do like they're crystals. They're real. But it was like playing off the idea that like um, 
some people think crystals have magical powers, you know, and but what she was really saying was like, crystals are real things. The magical powers are separate. Like, I'm not asking you about whether or not you believe crystals have magical powers. Anyways, there's a lot, I don't even know if I'm getting near the answer. But what I want to say is sometimes you can just literally see the crystal. The liquidity premium is a thing that is like written down in an interest rate provided mm. on a loan to a company that is non-transferable, whatever. Other times it's mythical and like the power of the liquidity premium, you know, you almost think that it's not, not only is it not real, it's, it's operating in the opposite of the way where the, the private companies seemed like they were getting a boost to their valuation for not having to deal with um, being marked to the market in, in a public context. And so in that case, you know, there's an illiquidity premium, not a liquidity premium. And so it, it, to me, it feels a little bit like crystals and magic. It's like, I think we know that crystals are real, but, but like what the power is behind those crystals well, I mean, why yeah, they're selling I mean, them in probably, the shops. The way that we explain things know. in finance all the time is we go like, oh, okay, so here's this number over here. It's 9.6 and I can only explain six of that. So there's 3.6 left and, you know, and then someone will be like, well, that's, that must be the liquidity premium. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so if you're wondering why we sound so dumb all the time, that's why. Yeah, exactly. because it could be other things too. Yeah, yeah, we are yeah, exactly. just we're, we're, the state of the art the industry, basically. It's like yeah, this, these are the models that people state use of the to art deploy trillions, and of hundreds of trillions of dollars. A recent survey of institutional <laughs> investors found found that 94 percent of pensions were allocating the cryptocurrency. Do you buy? I I almost had a heart attack when I saw this. Okay. Yeah, I literally yeah. had to go look at exhibit. <laughs> at exhibit because we're trying to protect the integrity of this organization because it sounds so crazy wrong. Um, and 94% of pension funds cannot be investing in cryptocurrency. Okay. It's just too shocking of a number. And so I went and looked, we, I am lucky. I have a couple of jobs, and one of those jobs I have access mm. to a very interesting data set. Um, <laughs> I, I I can't really talk about it, but I I will be able to talk about it in the coming six months, um, where we kind of go live with like some of the research products around this data set. But anyways, I was able to go and interrogate that data, which is about four trillion dollars, so five percent of the institutional investment space. And what I found is that over the single year ending in May 2022. The percentage of holders of crypto assets in that data, which I acknowledge is only 5% of the world's data, um, was okay. 1.3%. Oh, so, that, so that's the percentage of all assets that hold okay. some amount of cryptocurrency. So investors, all investors. Okay, so, well, so investors. If, it's not all assets, it's the investors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you yeah, could yeah. have 94% with a 1% allocation, right? No, this is the number of investors. So the number of portfolios in this data set that has wow. crypto okay. that does, was I mean, 2.4% as of May. I mean, you know, it's got a four. So, so that's there's quite some... different from 94%. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. No. Yeah. It's like my favorite flight of the Concords joke is like, I, I've been with a lot of ladies, triple digits. And that oh, the other guy was like, so sweet. three, not triple digits. Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> I know. 
so so I, I don't know, like maybe the like in, in our data, we can see through whether or not they're holding it in hedge funds in venture capital funds or coins directly. Maybe the pension funds through their venture funds or hedge funds or some funds like maybe they do have some exposure. Yeah, yeah I mean, it is. And they are big you know, institutional players. So who knows? It's I, yeah, I would I would wager possible. that it just, you know, so like 94% of pensions aren't invested in real estate. Um, you know, like the, like I, the, I, I, like I, that would be, you know, just a very, very high level of institutional. Economy. Exactly. I went and looked at the survey methods too. A lot of the, them are retail. So like there was like a bunch of pensions that, that are like defined contribution plans, thousands of mm, them. So, yeah. and uh, I'm well, like, I mean, how would they very, get very nice of us to not mention so, the organization that, that produced that thing. Upstanding members of the investment community. Um, the and this we one are like, so good people. This is I, I bet this is from a true believer yeah. who went back and listened to the early episodes where we talked about your adventures with Mario Kart. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where, yeah. Where, where you had to Nearly choose between your relationship and your life. and your love yeah. of the cart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you learned one investment lesson from Mario Kart, what would it be? Do you think? Yeah, I've uh, I've got one. Yeah, you just in Mario Kart, you just have to focus on your driving. Yep. It's and, and and the driving in Mario Kart is drifting. You got to drift around every corner so you get the boost. Um, that's all you can control, because just like financial markets, mm. Mario Kart is feels random. Yeah, if you're out in front, you. it's not random. The guys behind you are going to get red shells and and tough shells. They're going to get you. But all you can control, like mm. you're not going to not try to be out in front. You, all you can control is your driving. And and to me, the, the lesson there is get your process right, which I know you love, Sloan. Get your process dialed in and don't allow the noise of the market to deviate you from your process. Continue to drift around those corners and get those boosts as you exit those corners. Just as, you know, you every time you run the proper due diligence even if the performance numbers aren't what you would expect over time. I mean, that's, I think that's real. Like, you know, it, think about it. Like the Mario, Mario Kart, Kart is such an obvious lesson. lesson in like how to deal with chaos and uncertainty, you know, and like, uh, and it's so well balanced and yeah, like it, it you just can't, you can't exactly. control when somebody yeah. sells you or, you know, whatever bullet bills you in the new version shrinks you. Yeah. All these rude things. Yeah. Yeah. Shrinks you. The shrink ray. It's uh, so awful. You just got to get back and at all. try to yeah, slide it, around that corner and get a boost. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's it for the for the <laughs> like you know for the real content for the CPD approved content tonight. But uh, what garden tips have you got for our most dedicated fans and listeners? I have a bit of a devastating admission. Yep. So you yep. know, I was yep. trying to yep. build your retirement um, plan. my own tree farm, sequoias and redwoods. Yeah. In part, this is part. This is my carbon offset project. And I literally cleared some tomatoes in my special garden spot, which I have watered and is beautiful and which can sustain tomato plants for multi-year. This is that same spot. And so in my mind, I was like, <laughs> this is the yeah. best place to grow anything, maybe in the world, five-year tomato plant. What? Um, all my redwoods died. Sequoias died. And I think it has to do with the intensity of the heat in that spot yep. you know a tomato wants insane heat 
I I always thought of those redwoods and and as being so tall that they're constantly in the sun, but I guess when they're little, you know, they're very vulnerable. And so now, uh, you know, for those of you that are playing at home, I would move your your baby redwoods and sequoias and the other, um, you know, pine trees and things into a, a shaded spot that it has partial sun so that you can get them to a point of maturity yeah. where you can yeah well and, and that's like a good reminder places. of like the basic um, you know wisdom high. i mean if there's like i mean you know right plant right plant right place is like 80 90 percent of success in anything that you care to undertake right like true the you know, the i mean i i mean you know my, my thing yeah. is i was thinking about my zinnias which like i was convinced could not be grown on my roof um and what a loss that would be you know uh you just imagine that, you know, zinnias oh. are, they're a really lovely, bushy mm. flower, you know? And so I bought some, you know, at a, a garden center last year and I was really excited to grow them. Didn't grow at all. Didn't grow at all. I, this year I, I grew them from seed and they again, didn't grow at all. Um, and then months later, after I took completely given up on them, wow. this pot is just sitting there spitting out zinnias in this, in this area that I told yeah, there's a happy ending uh yeah you know i mean but ah. it's like the you know if you make time for nature amazing you know kind of let go of the outcome a little bit and expose yourself to positive randomness all kinds of great stuff can happen. yeah mm. last thought and this is almost like a request for support Aww. from our listeners i've taken mm. to planting acorns so i'm planting acorns to get a bunch of oak trees and uh, so now if I'm on a walk and I see a really cool looking acorn, I don't even know what it is. It could be, I don't know what other trees do acorns. I'm about to find out because I've planted like 22 acorns uh, from random walks. I am trying to plant um, like redwood, sequoia type trees. And I think I just plant an acorn, mm. like a pine cone. Um, I'm trying to like figure out what is the equivalent. So I'm I keep going in and trying to figure out what is the thing that I plant to see if I can grow from a seed? Yeah, this is, you know, this is the quest, uh, like a the, you know, to begin, anyway, you know, this, I'll, I'll this part of the micro season or whatever. Out there. Uh, you know, I, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, I wonder if those have to be grafted or if they're like, are, are redwoods all like exactly. one big organism or are they, um, that's birch, birch trees that are. Yeah, I attempted that. So I, you know, the, yep. around the base of one of my redwoods, big ones. We have all those little guys coming up. And so I tried to dig under and I planted, I literally just planted it. Hope to see like, and I've been watering it like crazy to see. Can I just get like <laughs> a, basically what looks like a glorified branch to start it's working slow, it's as a It's slow going. Anything having to do, I mean, you it's, know, dirt farming. Seems is like a, it might be turning you know, brown. But I'll keep uh, it posted. Long term, shall we say. <laughs> um, anyway, we'll join you. Bye. That was a good one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. That was a good one. Bye. Let me get rain on it.